there's a pretty common game or interaction that a, that a lot of parents love to play with their little kids. It's kind of fun because there really aren't any rules. Basically, the game amounts to trying to figure out the best way to describe or to measure the love that we have for our children and the love that our sons or daughters have for us. I mean, you can probably think of examples of this. Do you know how much mommy loves you? We stretch out our arms as wide as we can. And a child who realizes their arms aren't quite as long as mommy's might say, well, I love you from, from this wall all the way to, to, to that wall. As they describe the width, the width of their love. Or I love you from the, from the, from the bottom of the ocean up to the, the highest mountain or to the clouds in the sky or to the moon. In other words, hear the, the depth and the, the height of my love for you. Or dad might say, princess or little man, I love you forever. Describing the length of Daddy's love for their little one. Sometimes when kids are first learning to count, it's adorable because they might say, I love you three, because that's the biggest number that they know at this point. As As we come to today's passage in Ephesians and begin to grapple with with Paul's prayer here. Think for a moment about why this simple game is so important. Think about what it reveals about the security that comes to the human heart and the freedom and the confidence it produces in us when we are rooted and grounded in love. Now our passage this morning picks up midway through chapter 3 and verse 17 and goes, at least our passage for this morning, goes through verse 19. But today completes the thought that Shane began to lead us through last week in verse 14. So, so, so let's read this whole section again this morning. Brothers and sisters, hear the word of the Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, who loves us. Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lead us, Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. So I love, love this prayer of Paul here in this section. And I, I, I love that he's, he's trying to get us, he's striving to get us to see the importance and the immensity of God's love for us. In fact, he's so excited about us getting this, he kind of cuts himself off in the middle of his argument because he can't contain himself. But the question is, why is he so excited for us to see this here? Why is it so crucial to Paul? What is it that Paul is asking God to help us to see here? I think the key to understanding what Paul is praying is found in his progression of thought. If we're going to grasp the greatness of the power of this prayer, we at least need to be clear on what Paul is saying. It's a little bit like going to the eye doctor and it looks a little bit blurry and he clicks and says, how about now? And it comes into perfect focus. May it be true for us this morning. In the, in the original language, Paul uses a phrase that he repeats three times in this section. And that phrase is, in order that. And I think that phrase helps us to see what he's praying here more clearly. So let me, let me put that phrase back in and just summarize then what Paul is praying for us here in this section. He essentially says, the reason I am bowing my knees. In other words, the reason that I'm praying fervently, because Jews typically prayed standing up, it was only when they were praying in an especially fervent way that they would get down on their knees. You might think of the Lord Jesus in the garden, dropping to his knees and dropping to the ground as he begged his father to take away this cup. Yet, he was fully resolved to do the will of his father. In a similar way, we see Paul's urgency and his fervency here. He says, the reason I am bowing my knees is in order that out of the riches of God's glory, he will give you power and strength in order that you will grasp and know the greatness of the love of Christ, in order that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you see how each of these ideas flows right out of the next one? We could see precisely what Paul is praying, both for the Ephesians and by extension what he is praying for us. 
So, for our purposes this morning, let's just take some time to ensure we understand each of these ideas in the context of Ephesians, in order that we might be as excited as Paul is about what he is praying. What is it that your heart needs more than anything else? As you sit here this morning. Whether you find yourself in a stagnant place. Whether you're in the midst of difficult present circumstances. Whether you look into your past and you just can't get over some of the things that have happened. Or whether you're looking ahead and you see a world of possibilities before you as you think about following wherever Jesus is leading. The question is, what does your heart need? In order that you remain firm in Jesus. In order that you will step out in faith as you seek to follow Jesus. Think back to our parent and child game. There is something far more profound happening in that interaction than just kind of fun and, and silliness. Wise parents understand that there is a connection between the security that comes from the assurance of our love for our children and the, the freedom and the, the confidence and the joy they experience as a result of knowing the height and depth and breadth and length of our love for them. If that's true for us, how much more do you think the Father desires that we would know and understand how much he loves us? This this simple game illustrates exactly what Paul wants us to know. Namely, the more fully we grasp the reality of God's love for us, the more fearlessly we will follow Jesus wherever he leads. The more fully we grasp the reality of how much God really loves us, the more fearlessly, the more boldly we will follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Now, the reason that I think fearlessness or boldness is on the forefront of Paul's mind here as he's praying is because he mentions right at the beginning of this chapter that he is a prisoner for Christ. And as soon as he finishes praying this prayer, at the beginning of chapter 4, he mentions again that he is a prisoner for the Lord. 
And the very last thing he essentially says to the Ephesians is a reminder that he is an ambassador in change. And so the thing that he asked them to pray for him is that he may declare the mystery of the gospel boldly as he ought to speak. So I think this idea is at the very forefront of Paul's mind as he's praying this prayer for the Ephesians. In his prayer, Paul is showing the Ephesians where the source of true courage is found. Namely, fully grasping the reality of God's love for us in here, in our inner being. Now, the place Paul first points them is to the riches of the Father's glory in verses really 14 through 16. But this is kind of a a broad and a big statement. So within Ephesians, what does he mean by that? What riches of glory does Paul have in mind? What riches of glory might actually strengthen us with power? Now, thankfully, Paul's mentioned a phrase like this a couple of different times already in the book of Ephesians. So I think, I think the answer becomes clear specifically connected to God's love, because that's the context of what we're talking about in this section, Paul referred to the riches of God's mercy in Ephesians 2.4, directly linking it to the great love with which the Father loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. And back in chapter 1, Paul described the forgiveness of our sins as the riches of the Father's Grace, the love which with which the Father loved us in the Beloved, he said, was to the praise of his glorious or glory-filled grace. So, when Paul prays that we will be strengthened in power through the Spirit in order that we might understand and know the love of Christ, he first points us to the reality that this love is rooted and it is grounded in the spiritual wealth and the grace-filled generosity that is the riches of our Heavenly Father. The Father's own spiritual richness of mercy and grace is actually the ground or the foundation of his love for us. So just think about that for a minute. If it's difficult to grasp how it could be that the Father actually loves us when we continue to sin. Paul's pointing out for us that at the the very first place, At the most foundational level, God's love for us is actually rooted and grounded in his grace and mercy, specifically directed towards the forgiveness of our sins. So why fear? Well, 
What we need more than anything else in existence is mercy and grace. And the Father's love for us flows directly out of the infinite storehouses of the wealth of his divine mercy and grace, which, which is capable of covering our spiritual poverty. It's capable of covering our spiritual poverty like Niagara Falls is capable of filling an empty glass. The resources are infinitely glorious and capable. That helps us. Because as we consider our own spiritual poverty, we sometimes wonder if God really does or could love us. There might be sin or bitterness or guilt or shame that we've been carrying around with us that that constantly reminds us of our spiritual debt, of our spiritual poverty before God. But, but do you not know, friend, of the riches of God's mercy and grace, that those riches are available to you even now? In fact, this very morning as we celebrate communion, we are reminding ourselves of the reality that God's mercy and grace is available to us at all times. You need only to ask him to to cover your sin and your shame with the blood of his son's sacrifice on your behalf, even, even this very morning. Now, the reason this grounding of God's love strengthens us is because when we realize that God's love for us is actually rooted in the gracious forgiveness of our sin, then we never have to fear being exposed as sinners or failures. From day one, as a believer, our sin has already been exposed by the cross, and we have already been exonerated through the cross. Fear of exposure and fear of failure died on the cross and was buried with Jesus in the tomb with all the rest of our spiritual IOUs. Think about it. How does that change you? How does it change you when you don't have to fear being outed as a mom who really doesn't have it all together? How does that free you when you don't have to fear being outed as essentially a failure as a husband? How does it free you from the fear of being outed as a dad when you realize, I don't really know what it looks like to lead my kids well spiritually? How does it free you when you realize you don't have to fear being outed as a friend who doesn't have all the answers, or as a worker who drops the ball, or as a leader who still makes mistakes? 
It makes a difference when you don't have to fear because God's forgiveness of our frailties and our sin is the very foundation of his love for us to the praise of his glorious grace. When you see this, it helps you to see the security we have in the love of Christ. And therefore, our souls are strengthened. Whatever our circumstances. This is just the grounding. This is just the grounding upon which the rest of Paul's prayer is built. The place our confidence begins to rise is when we realize that the power and strength for which Paul prays for our inner being comes from the Holy Spirit himself. Verse 16, Paul's prayer is that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power that you are able to muster up yourself to the best of your ability. I'm sorry. My translation says that he may grant to be strengthened with power through his spirit, not from within your inner being, but his, his spirit is ministering to your inner being. That makes a difference. Brothers and sisters, that makes a difference because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is grace. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is infinite power available to you to fight sin and to create new affections in your heart. If you think, but my heart is dead. God's main ministry is resurrection. He's got this. But what if you, what if you hear what I'm proclaiming and you think that sounds good, but I don't, I don't feel the confidence rising. I don't. Believe that God loves me. Remember that in chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14, Paul said that, that you, that is, every person who believes in Christ, with no exceptions, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That is true for every believer. From the Apostle Paul down to the likes of us. So just, just take inventory for a second of what we've learned so far. We understand that the foundation for God's love for us is rooted and grounded in his forgiveness of sin, which flows out of 
the riches of his mercy and grace and glory. Now we have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in your inner being. That is, the third member of the Holy Trinity. That is the one who is present at creation. That is the one who, whose power brings forth redemption. That is the one who searches the deep things of the mind of God himself. That is the one who is loved by the Father and the Son. That is the one who intercedes for you continuously before the throne of grace at every moment. He is the one who is living in your inner being, strengthening your inner being by reminding you of the love Jesus has demonstrated to you, which flows from the immeasurable riches of the Father's gracious and merciful glory. So understand this truth in order that you might know this truth, in order that this truth might set you free. So if you say, okay, maybe there's a faint pulse down in there somewhere. Rejoice because Paul doesn't stop here. He's laying a foundation and placing another layer on it, but he's just getting started. These truths really are the foundation in order that we would begin to understand and to know the greatness of the love of Christ. So here, verses 18 and 19, Paul prays that we will have strength to comprehend with all the saints, there it is again, every one of us, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So based on verse 18, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. You, you don't get to say, yes, that might be true generally, but that is not true for me. That is not a legitimate thing to say based on this text because this truth is true for everyone who names the name of Christ. Paul wants all of us to understand the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. So how do we begin to think about this? Perhaps the place to start is with Paul's great statement at the end of arguably the greatest chapter in all of the Bible, Romans 8. And this chapter, Romans 8, concludes with, with these words. And I want you to think about them in light of what we've been learning recently 
about the spiritual realms in Ephesians. Hear the concluding words of chapter 8 of Romans. Paul says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's our context. The love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In this case in Romans, Paul is attempting to communicate the security of God's love because of our unbreakable union with Christ. Because he gets the truth that the simple game illustrates. From security comes freedom and confidence and joy. So back to Ephesians 3, 18. The reason none of these things, that's none of these things in chapter 8 mentioned in Romans, none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus is because the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ extends to every square inch of every single area of both the spiritual and the physical realm. Therefore, brothers and sisters, The love of Christ for you is of such a breadth that it reaches as wide as the nations are distant. Even to the ends of the earth, there is not one sin the blood of Christ cannot cover, and there is not one sinner in all creation that the gracious love of God cannot reach. And that includes you. That includes you. If you've gone to church your whole life and never realized that Jesus actually loves you, where can we flee from his presence? Nowhere. Anywhere. Brothers and sisters, the love of Christ for you is of such such a height that it reaches to the heavens because Paul's already told us that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that is, in the presence of God, and that angels and demons even now behold the glory of God in the church. My beloved brothers and sisters, the love of Christ is of such a, such a length that Paul has already told us it, it stretches from eternity past where we were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. And it stretches to eternity future where Jesus is seated far above all rule and authority, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And where our glorious inheritance in the saints, in the saints will be realized fully and forever. Brothers and sisters, the love of Christ for you is of such a a depth that there is no sin. There is no pit of transgression into which you could fall, where Jesus could not descend into the very depths of the miry clay and pull you out. 
The Lord Jesus descended all the way from heaven to earth to rescue us. His sovereign reign and the righteous wrath that flows from his holy love and his pure hatred of all things unholy extends even to the darkest corners of the pits of hell where no being of any kind will be spared retribution in the terrifying presence of the lion of the tribe of Judah as he rights every wrong. The love of Christ necessitates he deals ruthlessly with evil. The love of Christ even descended into the grave itself from which you were raised from the spiritual dead even as Jesus himself rose victoriously from the grave conquering sin and death forever. That's why it's crucial you begin to more fully grasp the reality of Christ's love for you in order that you will fearlessly follow Jesus wherever he leads you. All of that is just foundation. As he puts on another layer, all of this up to this point is so that Paul can pray in order that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. The Christian life is not a trickle. It's a torrent. It's not that just little drips flow out of us. They are rivers of living water. Look, this life is hard, but it's not like we're just existing on fumes and trying to get to the end of the race. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. That's why it's possible to be changing the 14,000th diaper and have joy because you realize your service to your children is your service to God as you raise the next generation of missionaries and gospel bearers. It's why your pain can do nothing to minimize the joy that you have in your heart as it magnifies the worth of God in your life. It's why even broken relationships are not the means by which your peace and joy will be crushed. Rather, it's the very venue where God wants to display the greatness of his glory in your life. Paul prays all of these things in order that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. That's exactly what he means. Because he says something very similar in chapter 4 
He says we are to grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Which is another way of saying you need to get in a growth group. Because you can't handle this on your own. You need your brothers and sisters to help. So I think the best way to think about this concept of being filled with the fullness of God is that we need to think about it both individually as followers of Jesus and we need to think about it corporately as the church because I think the Bible speaks to both of those things. From an individual standpoint, there is a sense in which we have already been filled with Christ and a sense in which we are to grow up into the fullness of all that that implies. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, that is Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So we might say, okay, I'm tracking so far. And then it says, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. That is a stunning statement. But that's why I say that it's possible to live with fullness of joy and complete peace despite our circumstances because this is actually true. It's a little bit like the reality of the Holy Spirit coming to live within us at conversion. The Holy Spirit in all of his fullness is alive in a believer the moment he expresses faith in Christ. And yet, Paul will say things like in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. So there's a literal present reality and there's a growing into all that we have already been declared to be. This concept is, is just like that. From a corporate standpoint, I think we should think about verse 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, in conjunction with Paul's other prayer, chapter 1, and the final two verses of that prayer in 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, much like Abraham, who was blessed to be a blessing to all the families on earth, Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, so too we are filled by God to be Christ's body, filling the world with his love as we proclaim the good news that salvation is found in his name and in his name alone. Even as his love reaches every height and depth, and breadth, and length in all creation, so too, as we are filled by God, we are to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the good news until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. So he fills us with all his fullness, fullness, and then we are to go out and fill the earth with his glory. On this mission, may God give us much grace to more fully grasp the love of Christ so that we will more fearlessly follow Jesus wherever he leads us to the praise of the Father 
and to his glorious son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we transition to communion, consider for a moment that this one particular image, that is this image that is displayed before you, is designed to be the primary lasting visual representative reminder of the love that God has shown us in Christ. It reminds us of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf to bring us into relationship with God. Now, admittedly, this simple picture cannot fully describe the magnitude of everything that is true for us because of the love of Christ. But it is capable of demonstrating with power and clarity the sacrifice that was necessary in order to make all of that happen. So, thinking back to our simple game again, I think it's fair to ask the question, well, how much does Jesus love you? He loves you this much. Let's pray. Father, would you do a work by the power of your Spirit right now to, to break through the concrete, rip apart the rebar, and get to the depths of our hearts so that we might know that you love us. I pray that as we prepare to come to this table that you would Help us to see ourselves clearly and in the places where we need to ask for your forgiveness. Lord, would you please help us to con- confess our sins to you freely and openly to you so that we might just as freely and openly receive the covering for our sin that you have offered to us in Christ through his blood so that we might be able to come to this table secure in your love, so that we can come to this table with freedom and confidence and joy, knowing that you love us. And I pray this, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask it in the name of Jesus himself. Amen.